Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Stack Overflow podcast. I am your host, Ben Popper, Director of Content here at Stack Overflow, joined, as I often am, by my colleague and collaborator, Ryan Donovan. Ryan, how are you doing today? Oh, I'm all right. How are you doing, Ben? Mm, you know, pretty good. There's some sentient AI out there, so I'm keeping my eyes open, watching my six, yeah. you know, just in case it's listening. I'm going to take over our comic books. Exactly. We're going to have a great episode today. A couple of uh, things we're going to discuss are near and dear to my heart. Um, you know, talking about maintaining legacy systems, figuring out new approaches there, and using a very like API-centric approach, uh, which I think is what really speaks to modern developers. Um, we have a great guest today. I'd like to bring her on, Claire Denton. Welcome to the Stack Overflow podcast. Hi, guys. I'm Claire Denton, Director of Product Management at OpenText for the developer experience. So Claire, for our listeners, tell them a little bit about yourself. How did you get into the world of software and technology? Oh, it's a little bit uh, round the houses, uh, as I would say. Mm. Um, I started out as an environmental scientist, uh, really focused on, um, I was working basically for an executive agency of math called CFAS, uh, focused on really improving the estuarine environments around the UK uh, coastline. Uh, and uh, somehow I ended up working at Amazon. As you do. Exactly, as, as you do. <laughs> Not in the Amazon, but for Amazon, sure. For, okay. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. And uh, uh, I, I was ordering the books for the homepage, uh, which I, I mm. really liked. There was lots of spreadsheets and analytics on what people were actually interested in buying. This was this was back in the days when Amazon really had actually just started. So we're older, showing my age now. We're, we're back in sort of like the... 1990s the late 1990s they were focused uh, on books yes only yes. books at that time yeah yeah gotcha and uh, uh and yet basically to enable me to communicate with all the the cool kids at the company the ones that were building the websites um i actually learned some html and i found i really mm. loved it it was kind of the perfect mixture between kind of science and art which i also really love and uh, I probably unwisely financially decided I would leave Amazon, take my shares and retrain to be a web application developer. And, uh, mm -hmm. and that's what I, I, I did for, for many years, really enjoyed it. Uh, but uh, uh, found myself moving to the US. My, uh, my husband's job got relocated and started work for an enterprise software company as a member of their professional services team, focusing on implementing solutions with their business process management software, which kind of led with my application development background. And uh, yeah, that's kind of how I got to where I am now, really, because I suddenly found myself being very opinionated about the software. I, I loved meeting mm. customers <laughs> and uh, solving their solutions. Uh, so for solving their problems, rather, and coming up with solutions. And uh, yeah, in doing so, I found myself talking to the product managers quite a lot, going, if you added this to the product, it'd be so much better. <laughs> gotcha. Can you tell me, for that time when you were working as a web developer, what sort of tools and frameworks were popular? Like when you were working with clients, what were you relying on? Oh, well, initially I started out with just kind of plain kind of HTML and JavaScript. Mm -hmm. And then it was kind of uh, ASP.NET. Um, I forgot ColdFusion. ColdFusion was something I, I did a fair amount. Right. You know, the first kind of big website I maintained had lots of ColdFusion in it. Um, and then I, uh, I basically did some retraining because I wanted to get into sort of C Sharp and, and .NET. Uh, and that's mm. where I, I spent the rest of my time. I uh, did a little bit of HTML5, which which I really liked. And uh, you know, so, so now, basically, um, I to keep up with the engineering teams that I work with, I just kind of use Udemy to kind of try and 
make myself less rusty just so I can understand what they're doing. Um, so, yeah, being there, trying to, to master React. Um, yeah, just to understand mm. a bit of that. Very cool. I think asp.net is one of my favorite mispronunciations that I've ever done on this show. Really show people what I am, <laughs> where my skills lie. Oh, now, now you take me back because basically I remember when I first um, heard about uh, Jason, I actually spelt it wrongly. <laughs> I spelt mm-hmm. it as the name. And uh, yeah, right. one of my, my engineers just kind of looked at me and just laughed. It's like, Claire? No, 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 no. <laughs> Who is this Jason? Yeah. I, I regularly pronounce SQL. As SQL, yeah, every day. <laughs> this, I think, that's why I I love this industry though. That there's always so much changing about it. There's only so many new things. Uh, you you are continually learning, and that's what I really love. And you, yeah, uh, right now in my role as as a product manager, I, I come up with kind of use cases from from customers and problems to solve, and then work directly with my engineering team and my architects to to kind of come up with solutions. And uh, that's, that's what I love. Lots of people brainstorming together and uh, you know, finding you know, how to solve problems. Mm. Oh, it's a, it's a good transition. Um, would you tell us a little bit um, about where you, where you are now and what sort of uh, problems and solutions you come up with? Yes. Yeah, so, so basically, uh, yeah, since I left my, my business process-centric past, um, I found myself still actually focused on, on, on process. And uh, uh, the last probably kind of five to six years of my career have actually all been around kind of API platforms uh, and developing APIs that uh, developers will love. Um, and uh, it, part of that is actually thinking about kind of internal processes inside a company uh, to enable us to get to a place where we can guarantee that we are delivering things that developers will love. Um, so uh, that, that's kind of really where I am at the moment, really focused on the developer experience. Uh, the company I'm at called OpenText and working with multiple engineering teams to uh, to d- develop uh, APIs that meet the needs of our customer base and uh, an experience which really helps them kind of get to grips with what they're building, you know, um, quickly. Right. You know, one of the things, Claire, that we discussed on the introductory call was um, the pain of dealing with with legacy systems. Uh, we're not unfamiliar with that at Stack Overflow as a 13-year-old company. You know, we, we had plenty of discussions internally about the monolith and .NET and, uh, you know, where microservices may or may not fit for us. Um, so tell us a little bit about, yeah, you know, you mentioned one of the things that's kind of inspiring to you as a client comes with an issue, you get to sit down and brainstorm with smart folks about possible solutions. Um, when it comes to legacy systems, what is open text relationship there? Like what kind of problems are you, do you find, um, your organization is working on? Oh, well, open text has grown up as a legacy vendor ourselves. Moving to the cloud model helped us understand firsthand what other developers have to go through, both in terms of the products we offer and the processes that help them deliver. That's why our developer experience is built with all developer types in mind, whether commercially focused, enterprise focused, low code or pro code. For open text, customers many of whom are in the largest 5,000 companies in the world, cloud is an evolution, and we have to understand where they have come from to provide what they want. So my role is to understand this, to provide developer experiences our customers and partners want, and to create the special experiences required to be successful in this space. Mm -hmm. With our services, APIs, and SaaS applications, we offer the ability to gently move and upgrade their infrastructure. Your core capture application, for example, it is a complex deployment 
can be hard to scale and manage, but it can be unplugged to a large extent and replaced via capture service and APIs. We've spent a long time honing these services and APIs so they can be plugged and played in sort of a low-code way, or developers can come and use these APIs and add capture capability to any apps that they need. Capture service, therefore, takes away the infrastructure worries, scaling concerns, as it supports cloud-native. The same applies to archiving. This is a fundamental piece of what we do as an information management company, and OpenText has taken the Archive Link API and moved it to the cloud. So our customers only need to reconfigure, and they can make use of it as a cloud service. Uh, of course, OpenText offers migration services with our professional service team and, and so on. Mm-hmm. We are a content management company and a broad offering of APIs and SaaS applications. We're all focused on supporting customers, some of whom up to recently have been concerned about moving to the cloud. Now accelerated from the impact of the pandemic, you know, to be able to gradually move and embrace the benefits of the cloud, we want to ensure that our customers can put their customers first and not be impacted with issues around disconnected, siloed content. That's really where our core strength is, to be honest. It's interesting talking about uh, legacy systems. My mother was a flight attendant for for years, and that's that's an industry that has had such difficulty getting off kind of their legacy systems because it's Mm -hmm. running in production, right? It is so, Mm -hmm. it's this data that's key and it's constantly there. Um, do, Do you ever have to deal with customers that are running, you know, maybe not mainframes, but really old systems that they're very afraid to kind of upgrade. I think to to Ryan's point, maybe, are there interesting examples that you would relate of clients who, as you mentioned, yeah, might be coming from legacy systems, OCR, or another kind of lift and shift um, where we can sort of, yeah, dig a little bit into like what it's like to make that modernization journey, Mm -hmm. like any case studies or clients you worked with that you thought were interesting. As I mentioned, we've seen some companies that have been nudged towards exploring cloud approaches due to the pandemic and the acceleration of people working from home. I start to think about some of our customers from the banking industry uh, that need to share documents and content far more easily than before. They're finding that they need to extend their existing ecosystem through core share and APIs Open Text enables them to do exactly this without having to touch their existing infrastructure and applications. Mm-hmm. In previous roles I've had, I worked with British Airways producing their um, their NDC APIs, uh, so they could actually sell their their you know their, their, you know, distribution their tickets in, in different ways and be kind of built on their forty year old back end technology. Uh, so kind of uh, my, my background kind of uh, you know, it involves a lot of kind of understanding how to uh, maintain um, a, a consistent layer to to developers uh, that, that's right, always right. up that's not going to change. But behind the scenes, we may be doing lots of refactoring, lots of changing, lots of making sure everything's still stable because things are a, a little old uh, behind the scenes. Right. But um, yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. So are there particular tools that you've worked on with your team when it comes to solutions that would help uh, a company that's on-prem you know, start to make that digital transformation, make some of the resources they have more accessible externally to clients? Or maybe you know, as we move to this sort of more remote world, more accessible to their workers who might be hybrid or working remotely? Yes, yeah. So, so basically, um, we have uh, you know, recently kind of introduced a, a, a service called Outpost, uh, which uh, our professional services team at the moment is working mostly with with our customer base, uh, and this uh, really enables us to have a very small, lightweight client installed on the on-premise system uh, of our customers, and then they can 
um, be able to, in a very securely, in very secure, performant, kind of scalable way, uh, connect to uh, a SaaS-based offering uh, and be mm. able to access their their data if you're on the on-premise system. So, so we're basically kind of taking all of the the hard work that they would normally have to have, you know, involved in kind of connecting their their on-premise system with their new uh, new new SaaS. Um, SaaS application and out of the picture. It's interesting. So is, is that creating like locally based uh, APIs that they're building off of? Like the, the outpost, um, are they accessing that data through um, APIs or is it some other method? In this case, there's no APIs exposed. Outpost works in conjunction with our SaaS applications, uh, like core content, and it needs a leading application for configuration and usage. There is an agent, a small client placed on the uh, on-prem system. So I guess I had a, a question that sort of in a similar vein, um, you know, we talked a little bit at the beginning about the importance of uh, API-centric tech, uh, both in working with developers at other companies, uh, but also I think in attracting great developer talent to your own organization. Um, and just that, uh, you know, that kind of interoperability and openness um, is key, I think, to uh, rapid evolution and innovation within a company so that they can have a lot of strategic partners so that they can work with the new services or languages or frameworks that become possible. Can you tell us a little bit about sort of uh, what that looks like at OpenText? Um, you know, the move to the to the cloud and the app, what is the OpenText API platform particularly well suited to doing and, and how is it built kind of with the modern developer in mind? That's, that's a really good question. Uh, so, OpenText has an awful lot of APIs. <laughs> um, it has a, a broad, uh, you know, um, it's a broad range of different, different APIs available that really cater for nearly every aspect of information management that you can think of. Uh, you know, from its kind of uh, you know, facts and messaging APIs that we sort of support, kind of ten million kind of transactions, kind of annually, you know, through to you know its kind of supply chain kind of APIs. Where we sort of do nine trillion dollars uh, of annual commerce, kind of through through them. Um, we also have kind of security endpoint threat detection APIs, which uh, the second largest crawler to, to to Google on the network. And so in that kind of broad ream of APIs, um, uh, what what I've been doing with, with my team is really kind of focusing on exposing logical building blocks, which kind of enable. Uh, developers to uh, extend the applications that they currently have or build new ones and uh, making sure that they're exposed to uh, really um, you know, uh, good kind of REST, REST standards uh, and that they're properly documented in OpenAPI you know, spec uh, with interactive you know, documentation available on our developer.opentest.com site. So what we've kind of done is we're sort of really kind of focused in on sort of saying, OpenText has got a broad amount of APIs. We want to gradually onboard relevant kind of building block chunks to the uh, developer experience, uh, ones that kind of make sense. Uh, so we've been focusing a lot on core information management building blocks. We've got uh, um, our content management services, which will allow uh, structured uh, folders to be uh, be created and content to be uploaded into them and security permissions to be set. Uh, so kind of quite low level um, sort of APIs, but they... Uh, enable you to kind of build your own content uh, management sort of structures. Uh, then there's workflow, um, which kind of ties in all the kind of process automation and deeply connects to the other services that we have. We've got a, a signature service, a capture service, um, capture I mentioned before, 
know, to uh, enable developers to, to easily kind of build kind of these solutions which make sense to, to them and to their companies. Um, and then we've also got these core APIs that uh, underpin uh, as product features our kind of solid SaaS offerings like uh, uh, core content uh, where we provide a, a really great starting block uh, starting place for, for, for companies to start to leverage uh, the, uh, the SaaS capability that OpenText has. Um, and with these offerings, we uh, have got good documentation for developers to kind of extend uh, these offerings using the service that I just mentioned, or you rapidly configure and roll out those applications to uh, their, their customers through kind of our, our workspace APIs and data object APIs. Mm. Wow, that's interesting. I wasn't aware that it, it yet ranged across so many things from supply chain to security. Um, do you have a sense of, yeah, the, the company's sort of like history and how it got to this this broad scope? Like, did it begin, as the name implies, with OCR and text and then continue to build on services as clients kind of found new needs? You mentioned that at the beginning and it seems intuitive, come in and fix a small problem client says, hey, while you're here, can you fix this? Is how I, this is how I talk to all the, the plumbers who come to my house. You know, while you're here, could you take a look at this? And next thing you know, you know, they're doing seven different jobs for you. But what, yeah, what is open tech sort of history and how did it evolve to such a diverse set of uh, suite of products? So it actually was founded back in 1991. Um, it was a partnership, it's a university project, basically, uh, initially, um, mm. a partnership between the University of, of, of Waterloo in Canada and Oxford University to put the Oxford English Dictionary online. Hmm. Yeah, from that, it just kind of grew um, you know, to, to the company that, that it is today. So that's like an early kind of like a Project Gutenberg or something to like digitize information and put it online? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. They were initially looking at um, kind of search engines and uh, uh, building sort of search logic, uh, but uh, they ended up focusing on content management. Uh, and that's the space they've been in. Uh, really since uh, 1991. Very cool. We like to talk about uh, digital transformation a lot. A lot of companies on their their journey. Um, what do you think the the future uh, will be for for digital transformation and you all at Open Text? I think for for us, it's to basically enable um, developers to be able to achieve their digital transformation as easily as possible. And we really focus on you know, a broad remit of developers. You know, we're thinking about mm-hmm. um, the citizen developer actually in the company um, wanting to use kind of low-code, mm. no-code you know, software to be able to you know, directly implement the changes that they need themselves. Uh, we're also looking at uh, developers who, as we've been saying, are, are coping with legacy systems, wanting to modernize them, want to build something new, um, uh, extend kind of some of our, our key um, our key kind of SaaS offerings as really great starting points. Um, uh, and then kind of our, our partners have got a, bro- a broad partner ecosystem and they want to be able to kind of build with our APIs and uh, it, it, you know, it extend what we have and build new things as well. And uh, you know, we're we're really focusing on making that as easy as possible. You know, we've got, uh, as I mentioned, a broad, diverse range of APIs that we're making sure we're um, delivering a good, in a, in a, to, to the Open API spec standard, um, really well documented, really trying to uh, enable developers as quickly as possible to hit the ground running with, with samples. We're also focusing on you know, tooling. Uh, a lot of our APIs to, to this point have been um, you know, uh, sort of kind of headless um, uh, we want to uh, make sure that we are now having widgets 
uh, and uh, you know, starting points for developers to, to get to where they need to quicker. And with our uh, VS Code extensions, which are uh, currently available in the VS Code marketplace, so they're in the beta stage at the moment. So really want people to try them, you know, see what they like and don't like and give us direct feedback so we can improve it. Um, <laughs> we're really keen. I think this is the one of the key messages I want to get across to you. Um, you know, we're really trying to be as developer friendly as possible to to minimize the impact, you know, to minimize the churn and, and to maximize their efficiency. Uh, mm. So, you know, we've got a developer community um, and a couple of beta programs happening at the moment that you can you can join, and uh, we're really keen for for the feedback from people. Very cool. Yeah, I think what you said makes a lot of sense. Uh, there are interesting opportunities for citizen developers, as you call them, at a small law firm mm -hmm. to figure out how to digitize stuff or set up a chatbot for answers, you know, at an accounting firm to figure out new spreadsheets or, uh, you know, approaches on the low-code side that can take some of those older processes and make them more streamlined and efficient. It's kind of interesting, sort of, when I first started out you know, looking after business process management tooling, I was very focused on kind of citizen developers, or uh, I think uh, now called technologists. Um, and uh, you know, there, I was kind of basically then working with you new know, web services and trying to make it easier for developers to extend you know, with web services. And now we find ourselves in a very similar situation, you know, developing local tooling and local tooling, but then actually having a, a suite of APIs that support those. Uh, so there are really great extension points for developers to then leverage um, uh, and uh, do sort of more advanced kind of connectivity and deeper integration into uh, a company's applications and, and really connect those disconnected systems together. All right, everybody. Thank you for listening. It is that time of the show. Going to shout out the winner of a badge. We're fresh out of lifeboats today. So shouting out SDK. He was given the benefactor badge. It's the first bounty you manly award on your own question. How to make a dynamic slide up transition. All right. Well, this question was bountied, meaning they needed a little help with the answer. Somebody came in and spread some knowledge. Appreciate that. Thanks for helping out the community. I am Ben Popper. I'm the director of content here at Stack Overflow. You can always find me on Twitter at Ben Popper. You can always email us with questions or suggestions, podcast at Stack Overflow. And if you like what you heard, go ahead and leave us a rating and a review. It really helps. I'm Ryan Donovan. I edit the blog here at Stack Overflow. You can find me on Twitter at rthordonovan. And if you have a great idea for a blog post, please email me at pitches at stackoverflow.com. I'm Claire Denton, director of product management at OpenText, focusing on the developer experience. If you'd like to contact me, it's cdenton at opentext.com. Really love to hear your feedback around our APIs and our developer program. You can learn about the services and APIs and sign up for a trial by going to developer.opentext.com. Cool. All right, everybody. Thanks for listening, and we will talk to you soon.